are live. Hello. Hello. Bia. How are you? Bia Beatrice Trang of the Bloom BMX. Mm-hmm. I am tired, if I'm being honest. I dug well, at the trails, then I rode. Brett Moore of YouTube. Of BMX. BMX. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's just jump into this. First things first, you are one of the people who run the Bloom BMX, which is... Um, it's, gosh, it's Evolve. It's a platform, essentially, for women's BMX. And we try to cover everything from freestyle, racing, flatland, and everything in between. But it's really involved, uh, evolved since I've quit my job, and now we're actually able to go to these events. And, and I think after actually talking to Ben Holman of all people, it just kind of solidified that we're doing way more than just posting up you know, photos and videos. We're giving back to the community and hopefully uh, raising the next generation of lady shredders. Yeah. In a I nutshell. Th- I think that was a good, pretty good summary. <laughs> Thank uh, you. And how long have you been involved with this? Um, I think we're, this is where like Angie and I were show our like couple issues where we'll argue between like on the anniversary date. I think we're at three years right now, um, but we've been doing our own thing for, I would say at least a decade at this point with me with uh, Magnolia BMX back in the day and then Angie with Yazine in her day. Um, and the funny story that I always like to tell is that after years of asking me to like work together i finally caved in but she i think she asked me like five years every march because that was the only time we saw each other to work together i was like no i'm just not ready i kind of want to do my own thing and i just realized that um together we're just a lot better and it's really shown throughout the last couple years how much of an impact we've made yeah yeah i definitely would agree with that uh (laughs) And you are in where in Canada? Um, specifically Hamilton, Ontario. So um, mm-hmm. Angie is from where? Buffalo. So we've known each other since we were little kids, I would say 15 and 17, because we're about two years apart. And there was a skate park, um, indoor park called X Wheels, and that's actually where we met. Um, and we stayed connected ever since, which is pretty remarkable that one, we stayed in the scene that long and then two we stayed connected enough that we're now working together um and we we had the kind of relationship that um i would say that we trust each other with our lives too which just makes this partnership even better yeah it's pretty wild that two friends from like pretty close together both like had their own thing kind of doing a similar thing did that happen Mm -hmm. on its own or did you both like talk about it and then create your own things how did that even yeah so when i started writing um the only platform at the time was women of freestyle which which was kim's baby yeah and she did something kind of similar where i think she posted if i remember correctly um female shredders but she didn't do interviews with them um after a couple of years riding i would say maybe two to be specific like i started mcnolia bmx and originally it was supposed to be a t-shirt company because back in the bike guide days that's what everyone was doing is bmx t-shirt companies mm-hmm. and for a i think it was like 17 at the time that's that's a lot of overhead for doing new shirts all the time so i i branched out and started asking girls like nina 
um, basic questions, questions that I want to know, like how to do a bunny hop better. And then I would put that on the internet and then it just kind of tumbleweed into um, and a site with just a bunch of interviews. But it didn't really go far, like as we are right now with Bloom with how big it is. Um, so did that for a couple years. I decided to go into like the corporate route, drop BMX, stopped making only BMX for a couple years. And then it was miserable. Decided to quit my job for the first time because it's been many times afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I got reintroduced to BMX through racing. Mm-hmm. And racing was where I really took it to the next level. Like I trained for it, I lived racing. Um, I, I did all the traveling. Like it really became my BMX. Whereas like when I first started, it was just kind of to hang out with the guys and to do something because Hampton doesn't really offer much, at least not back then. Yeah. Um, that's when I re- um, brought Magnolia BMX back to life. But in that time of quitting, of me working a corporate job, Angie started Yazine, um, and I think she started it with Nina. So it was a magazine or a zine that she took, um, that she had out maybe once every quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I subscribed to it too, it was great. And I think that's actually something she wants to bring back. Um, but she wasn't updating the website as much as I was, so she yeah. was resharing a lot of stuff. Whereas I did a lot of original content, um, interviews, how-to videos and stuff. And so I came back with Magnolia. It was okay, like, it was nice to get my juices going again with like interviews and stuff, but it wasn't going anywhere until finally I decided, you know what, it's time to work with Angie because she brings in, I like, I always use this energy that Angie's like the Steve Jobs equivalents of me being the Wozniak and together mm. we're just like a solid team because she brings in the star power and the sponsors and then I do everything in the, behind the scenes and, you know, using my corporate side actually getting more connections out and, and, and getting more interviews done that way too and more partnerships dang you just like answered any question that i could I'm ask sorry. about all well, of it without me even it, having to ask it's, it's it's a story i tell a lot um and yeah it's a pretty sick story too and another thing i always say too is that you know when we disrupt everything with x games a couple years ago this was two girls with like outdated broken macbooks Mm-hmm. making impact making the community actually speak up yeah so if two girls can do this anyone can make a difference in bmx or in anything that they care about so oh absolutely i mean just using this current live stream we're in as a perfect example this is literally happening with stuff that just like i already had and i just yeah. threw it all together and it looks like a professional like produced mm-hmm. thing so i mean yeah. There's the the best things that have ever existed have come from DIY and just making it happen. I mean, the, yeah. you always hear the whole Amazon thing of like it being a book, a book buying or book renting website or whatever out of yeah, somebody's it, garage. Like it was um, uh, Bezos's garage, and he was just doing books at the time. That's where it all started. And actually, it reminds me of even our conversations because I I thought about going back to film school because I really want to get better Hmm. at it but really you don't have to no no you don't (laughs) no I've learned so much through you and then just through YouTube and being hands-on that was so important but yeah I I mean I've 
I'm so stoked with like what I've learned so far from just a short amount of time of actually throwing myself into it. Yeah, I think this yeah. this conversation of like DIY and doing things purely because you want a specific result and you have to mm -hmm. figure out how to do it is like something that anybody could benefit from hearing. In the video that I posted today was a video talking about why skate parks are good for local communities. And in mm -hmm. that, like I made the connection between BMX and the career that I have. And I actually am curious if any of your corporate business background came from like the BMX world of like you're running a t-shirt. You were trying to start a t-shirt company, then it evolves into a website and then yeah. now be a business. Does that a like conscious decision? Um, that's a really good question. I, I would say that growing up, seeing my mom and dad being entrepreneurs themselves kind of gave me a pathway to running my own business. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say like I know everything about business, like tax stuff. Like <laughs> I've got a friend who does that for me. But um, I would say that it's given me kind of a, a, a different perspective on how to run things and how to, um, I guess, sell shirt or mm. to promote something a little bit differently with with like especially as a girl too like we we've got a different perspective on how we can push like a promotion i suppose yeah um but because of that beginning and then also making mistakes and learning along the way with my little t-shirt company when i was younger it's also helped me become like a superstar at every corporate job i've had which also made me bored of it and then i move on and it's a, I think I've quit three jobs since to move on to something else, and it's been completely worth it. But, um, but yeah, hopefully that answers the question. <laughs> I just think it, yeah, I, I think so, because it kind of points in the direction that, like, BMX and your, your mm -hmm. family kind of steered you towards the route that you took for, like, your professional career before you just randomly quit all of that for the bloom. Well, and then all the corporate jobs over the last, uh, I don't know how long I've been working, maybe at least 10 years at this point in, corp in the corporate setting, it's helped me become, I think, a better contact mm -hmm. for what BMX is typically used to. Because how often are we joking? Like, man, I didn't get my order yet. Of course, it's because like a BMX is running this company or something like that. I've, I've, hear, I've heard that joke so many times, but I feel like because I've come from like American Express and like a healthcare company and like um, another corporate company before that, like I, I, I am quick, which is sometimes a good, good thing, sometimes a bad thing on emails. Um, and I'm more like precise or, and straightforward with what I want. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then customer service wise, like if, we have like a little store as well and the order is late like i know how to respond to that i'm quick on it i don't get i don't let the customers wait for like mm -hmm. a week or two to just get an answer so there's a sense of urgency when i i'm taking care of things and now you have even more time but probably even less time than you had before I, yeah so for i think i think in the last or the first two years like was it able to manage a full-time job and the bloom and I would just like post things on my lunch break or during my like two breaks out of the day and it was it was getting by but that dance trip in March of just this year which is crazy so this everything that's happened that's changed in my life just happened in March but that trip just kind of catapulted things I came home to like 
meetings after meetings with various brands who want to collaborate with us that we're still working with. Um, and it got to the point where, well, Angie's a full-time athlete. Mm -hmm. She can only take on so much. Yeah. I can only take on so much working an eight hour job. And I was finding myself having meetings in my car. Um, and I just started to recognize that like, I'm more, I feel more fulfilled making less money doing what I want to do than working for somebody. And I, mm -hmm. I will say my last job, I loved it. It gave me some outlets for creativity, but I was also working with one individual that was a complete idiot and it just started <laughs> <laughs> it just started to weigh on me that like all I want for this company and and I and I apply this to everything that I do all I want is the best for this company and this company can't be the best with this incompetent employee <laughs> and I just decided after a bit of a blow up at work for like a different reason that was related to this individual that I, I it was time to walk and yeah. I had been talking about doing it was my dream as a kid when like I was doing Magnolia BMX that like I would make this a full time thing um, a lot of my inspirations actually came from Ryan Fudger cause like when I started riding he was like that guy you know he is still that guy the guy who is traveling riding, doing write ups, doing edits and probably miserable in his hotel but he gets to like travel and record BMX and be in one of the most amazing cultures I think that exists. So I just didn't think that um, even now that I've somehow manifested this to come true. So yeah. Well, it all, it yeah. all pointed to one final result and that was mm -hmm. getting to where you're at right now. One thing that I'm curious about just hearing you talk about this is like what are some of the examples of like direct impacts on people and bmx as a whole that you mm -hmm. think have come from the bloom just in like the period of time that led up to you doing it full-time well i mean even before this year i remember the first year that we did the bloom awards um i think it was colin from bands who contacted me and was like oh my god i didn't even know this girl who's from japan and is a rock star flatlander existed and mm -hmm. it wasn't for us posting her they wouldn't have ended up hooking her up and actually say like rocking fans all the all, all, all the time. Yeah. Um, that was that's the first memory of making an impact. But honestly, at this point, um, to, to to even express how much we've done, and it's so hard not to come off like I'm tuning my own horn. But we, I'm asking you to do that, so <laughs> it's okay. Well, I I mean, I'm constantly looking for ways to elevate certain female riders. Like if if I have an opportunity. To pluck this girl from like the UK or Brazil and bring her to North America and to break through and get her hooked up even more. I'm going to take that opportunity yeah. um, because I, I really do feel like obviously with BMX coming from California, like for you to really excel worldwide, you got to break through to the U S. Mm -hmm. um, so with that said, I'm, you know, I, I specifically have plucked Duda from Brazil that she can join us at Bloom Week, and I want to do content with her to help, just help her grow even more. She's huge in Brazil, yeah. But I really want her to be known here as well because she's an amazing person and she's got a bright future. Um, but other examples, um, I, I don't know. I just 
I don't know. We there's just so many that I can't even like pinpoint. But I think the Japan girl was the first one. Any girl that um, gets hooked up because of our exposure is always a win. And I think I would I think confidently I can say that there are a lot of companies looking to us for that referral as well. And actually, um, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but a certain writer got hooked up by a drink sponsor partly because of the research that they did through our website. Nice. And when they told us that, that was like, wow, that's that's a pretty big deal. So that's, yeah. a, that's a good, you know, certification check is that Is that a paying drink sponsor? It is. So you're yeah. legitimately like changing somebody's life by them being making money and being able to even further support themselves. Yeah, I, and the reality is there's not a lot of you know, if a, a company's going to do some research, the, the reality is there's not a lot of options out there. Right. We're, I think we are the best source. We're also not biased by any means as well. Like, mm. I just want to get the truth out and fix some, like, spelling grammar for issues, and <laughs> that's about it. Um, but other than that, like, I, yeah, other than that, I'm just always constantly looking for opportunities to, to show off all the awesome girls that are around the world. Like, there's a girl right now, her name's Nevada from the Czech Republic, and I've met her the first time in France and she was doing like uh is it cannonball is that the trick that double seat like... grab no footer yeah 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 yeah, yeah. this girl's like freaking 16 years old she's got like her, like cool swagger just like exerting mm. out of her body and she's from the Czech Republic and that's a growing BMX scene and yeah um and and outside of the women's space too I'm just the other thing I'm looking at right now is like even my my not home country because it's born in Canada, but my parents' home country, like Vietnam, just seeing how the BMX scene is growing there. And I'm actually working on a proposal right now to hopefully do a trip out there because wow. um, um, Huang Tran yeah. did a trip in 2015, and BMX has only exploded since. Mm. Um, it's still very street dominant, there's, there's not a lot of like parks or anything, but that concrete jungle, concrete bowl in the jungle, still exists. So be a cool mm. trip. Yeah, be yeah. a cool trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I just always, I, I think, and we talked about this before. Like, if your purpose in business is to help people, you you can't lose. Right. And that's how I kind of operate. Yeah, I I fully agree with that. And uh, one thing that I want to say about all the stuff you just said is that we gotta make Bethany pro. <laughs> yeah, she is coming up to Vans Pro Cup. Oh, sorry. No, not Vans Pro Cup. Waffle Cup next week. Gotcha. And that's in Huntington Beach. So um, she mentioned that uh, she's going to try to do some more UCI stuff next year. And yeah, there's, an, I think, an interview coming out with her shortly as well with us. So good. Very mm -hmm. good. She's mm -hmm. amazing. And she is. one thing that I think is so cool that happens like it seems like all the time at this point is that there's just this like a random lady shredders who are just popping up that you see get posted on instagram and yep. you're like who the who is this and what yeah. <laughs> like some of the people out there one that obviously is like way bigger than i ever realized but i randomly saw her not that long ago was that is it Aubrey Time is that a name? Yeah, she's Aubrey I don't know how old she is, but she's doing like hard 180s and 180 bar spins off of stuff, hard yep. 180s out of grinds, and like 
tricks that are like genuinely really difficult to do yeah. and she, how old is she like 11 10 I, I actually don't know uh i almost want to say nine but i might be correct but her dad is amazing and i think that's a part of why she's so well no it's a it's a big reason why she's so successful that she's, she's got nine or she is she's nine <laughs> yeah she's nine years old can you imagine her and like just a few more years what else she could do it's incredible and i i had no idea by the time i had saw her riding she's already like blown up on instagram and oh, all yeah. over the place but like i just clicked on a couple of videos and i was like are you kidding me and and then it just uh, randomly other people keep popping up there's one that keeps getting posted i i don't remember the name but she randomly popped up recently too and it's it's cool that linda yep uh, she, yeah she came out of what seemed like nowhere and instantly just like boom pro rider yeah. <laughs> like, well uh, the first time i i um saw her on the internet space was through an interview that she did on youtube um and that was my first time mm -hmm. and the reason why she kind of came out of nowhere is because she's only been riding for like a year or something what yeah like hopefully my, my memory game is right but i definitely less than three years we're okay to be wrong we're just two people talking online <laughs> but yeah Lin linda's been riding for a very short time um super stoked that she got hooked up by vans she killed it on the vans bloom trip kink as well. too i think yeah i think kink no she's not weak to people that one whatever yeah <laughs> still riding for a bike company like kink it's amazing at night yeah. um and she's killing it too yeah that sure. was another one and like it it just makes you wonder because women's bmx is something that like even you guys and everything you're doing i feel mm -hmm. like you probably haven't fully scratched the surface of oh, no. like everything yet so so there's yeah. more people out there who are just gonna keep popping up and you're like oh my god this she's insane she's doing crazy Literally stuff a month ago and she was like dude there's a new girl in greece and she's doing like 180s off like a ledge yeah like a high ledge so mm -hmm. like yeah um the the one thing that really helps with this growth is social media the internet um <laughs> yeah and and yeah when i first started writing i think the most we had was like my space and it wasn't really as easy to like come across randomly a girl what do you mean i really just dated myself right you now. couldn't make a what was it what do they call it uh when you posted something it was i can't remember what it was called now it would show up on the lower left hand side and there'd be a list of all of the posts and people would be put w for w like w for w whore for whore where you're posting someone oh. else's stuff like trying no. to get i don't remember that part well i i yeah <laughs> either way uh you weren't doing that i was doing no. that well i think magnolia bmx back then was still kind of trying to find its like identity i was i was mm -hmm. really mixed between like is this a t-shirt company or is this like a an interview company the word media company wasn't in my head right now mm -hmm. then but you know the bloom bmx is a media company essentially yeah. but on crack because we do other stuff as well but, yeah. yeah 
Speaking of also, you mentioned when you first started, I just love whenever I was talking to Nina and she uh -huh. said that when she first started, when I asked who she looked up to when she first started, she said that she would just pretend like the dudes with long hairs were chicks. Yeah. <laughs> because like when, when Nina started, there wasn't that many at all. No, she's the OG. Like her, um, so Nina, Stacy Mulligan, and Corey Coffrey. They were the OG. They were the OG in the sense that, like, you know, the only female pros that, like, got her, got to travel enough that you can, like, see them and mm -hmm. see that they're real people. Yeah. Before um, the times of, like, Twitter and MySpace and all that stuff. But I'm sure there were other girls that rode, like, in the UK, too. Um, there was this one girl that she was the first to do a bar spin that was recorded. So there was wow. probably a lot more that uh, we just didn't like get to see but her name was Carla White I think crazy stuff to yeah. even just talk about I mean I remember when I first started riding I remember on MySpace and I don't know how to ever figure out who this is but I think it was <laughs> pictures from I don't even want to take a guess at it, but there was somebody who's riding a okay. pink bike and like there's pictures jumping a box jump and I'm like who the hell is like doing like I think might have even been like suicides and stuff and I don't know if it was Nina but I don't I don't it, know Nina does them so it could have been either um, way I don't don't know if she's ever had a pink bike though but yeah but I have no idea yeah. <laughs> this was like a long time ago I was just yeah. googling Stacy Mulligan's name to see if somehow that could be I was it. I was talking to her about her I forget with who the other day maybe it was you I'm not sure but um, the first time I saw a female BMXer ride was in Toronto at, at Metro Jam mm -hmm. back when Jay Maron did it um, or ran it and it was like still to this day probably the best Canadian competition ever put on it was it was like simple session vibes with Canadian and lots of underage drinking <laughs> um, <laughs> but she was one of the few riders who double pegged one of the subs there it was like quarter super tall sub like like skinny on top and i just remember her like trying it over and over she got so closer in practice and she just freaking nailed it during her run it was yeah. amazing <clears throat> and there were guys that were like i can't believe she did that that's scary for me and like that that just made the whole experience of seeing a, a female rider for the first time that more badass right yeah that's yeah. amazing mm -hmm. uh some of the stuff that Bethany does, I feel that way about it. Like when we played yeah. that game of bike at Rays and she'd never yeah. done a sub box double peg out of a quarter pipe before. I'm like, if you do this right now, you can win. I told her we could do it on the smaller one. She's like, nope, we're doing this one. And she did it. Yeah, I would love to see her um, get into some international competitions just to push her over a little bit. Like, you know, get that extra level up because I think right now she's kind of limited because there's no one in her age group um and it's yeah you kind of have to put yourself in an uncomfortable position to excel more but she's got a lot of potential she's super young and i really think that she's got like a very likely chance to be on the olympic team i, I just can't think of anyone else like she would be it you know yeah it's amazing yeah. and speaking of the olympics yes being that you've run the bloom before the olympics and after the olympics have you and seen a direct result or impact from it on yeah 
Yeah, for sure. Um, firstly, we were the, I'm pretty sure we were the only media source that actually had updated photos. Granted, we only covered the females, but thanks to Naoki, who was on site, she was, she was able to get us the photos right away. Um, we had other media companies hit us up and was asking us to connect with her. And well, one, she was busy, but like two, like these photos are for us as well. Yeah. Um, but we've seen an increase um, commercially. Like we've had a, a bunch of like advertising and agency, um, TV agency companies like reach out to us, connect us with like this type of girl in this like state and for this job. Um, and overall, we've just been getting more attention and traffic to the website as well. And we're also seeing a lot more girls get into the sport too. Mm. Like that was that was an incredibly epic time. Um, yeah. Not only did we see every everything that a TV producer wanted to see, the drama, the action, all that stuff, but we saw an upset. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's which, the word for which, it. Which was heavy um, for me as a viewer because I've I've seen Hannah grow up from a little wee thing. Mm-hmm. to now this like amazing woman but um it it was a really epic moment for bmx and i and i've heard it before and i totally agree with it but the women saw the show yeah uh, i love watching the guys ride but i mean there was just everything you could hope for um in the women's class i feel like that will probably be the case for a lot of things moving forward just because mm-hmm. When it comes to the guys, you pretty much know what's going to happen. You yeah. like there's not it's not very often that something new is brought out in any kind of contest other than maybe like the big air stuff at X Games where like our Willie can bring some crazy trick he's inventing because how many other people are even inventing tricks right now? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there's it's just a lot of stuff has been done, but when you look at like the Olympics and you got Charlotte throwing out 360 backflips and front flipping something like it was totally unexpected and that's there's just only more and more of that that can happen i even though like obviously if you drop a foot that's like 30 points off of your run Mm -hmm. i feel that with the guys right now and i apologize if i offend anyone but it's at this point these guys have so many tricks under their belt it's about making it smooth and refined and almost robotic it's figure perfect. skating yeah it's literally is, figure skating which is so, totally respectable and like completely difficult to do as well to make it look like if you're doing a tail whip that suddenly your feet are like magnets to your pedals right yeah but with the girls right now i think you know um especially at the olympics you know i charlotte had this one chance she sent it it was risk it all or get nothing yep and and that's what we saw and i think that's put what it all on writing red. yeah there's there's more um reward for risk for the women at this mm-hmm. point than it is for men um yeah that's my take on it. And and it's like you said, not a knock against the dudes. It's it's not a knock against the dudes whatsoever because they are mm-hmm. at the mercy of how they're being judged. And I mm-hmm. think and I've had this criticism for a while now, it's just that the way BMX contests are judged leads to the type of riding that happens in the limited amount of things that happen mm-hmm. in those contests. And and it, if it things don't change as the future progresses women's bmx is going to end up exactly the same way because that's it, the, it's the only well. result yeah. 
-hmm. unless we can figure out a way to get them to change judging so that we can end up with an Olympics that looks like Toronto Jam with people sending it across the course. I I just don't (laughs) see that happening with the Olympics, though, because if you look at any other sport um, discipline, whether it's um, skating, uh, whatever else that's um, performance-based, artistically performance-based. Yeah, it'll never happen. You can have, like, a group of people who can do all the same tricks, but the person that goes the highest or goes the smoothest or is able to go from one trick to another just without any flaws, like, that's the guy that's going to win. Um, Women's BMX is going to be in that direction as well, where we always follow the guys. So it's nothing that um, it's going to be surprising when that happens. Yeah, well, unless, unless too, it becomes a case of, it's recognized from the beginning and women don't all decide to gravitate towards the exact same tricks because there are people like Dennis Anderson and Boyd Hilder and even mm-hmm. Daniel Dares. Daniel Dares mm-hmm. is doing some different tricks. He did a 720 can-can tire grab like yeah. over the craziest spine ever. So like th- there's definitely variety and if it does, it, like it doesn't have to go to that path but it could either way it doesn't matter right now mm-hmm. yeah it's <laughs> it's cool to see it all happening because it's like the people who are older than even you and i got mm-hmm. to live the the progression of bmx and we're living in progression right now but but in mm-hmm. a different way and in yeah. the women's side of bmx is kind of going through that so it's cool to like see it I- I think we're. I, I started riding or getting into BMX during like the mid school era, and I think that women's BMX right now is either in the equivalent of that or just heading out of that direction because we're just. There's been a shift recently since the Olympics, um, but kind of circle back. But uh, what I have noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I'm seeing a lot of riders kind of reflecting their coach now. And mm. it's kind of interesting to see that. So if you think about like any rider, who their coaches, you kind of start seeing some similarities. But the only person I think I haven't seen that that similarity, and I still see her like uniqueness, is Charlotte, because she she doesn't really reflect Jamie. I think Jamie allows her to be her own person mm-hmm. and lets her like do her own thing. But there are other riders. I'm like, that that's a that coach trick, you know? <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. And then I feel like you got Daniel Dares out there who, like, doesn't need a coach. <laughs> and, no, he, he is his own man. He yeah. just knows what to do because he's been competing for so long. I think, honestly, aside from Charlotte getting that upset and just being, like, a shock of just holy crap that happened, that's insane. I think Daniel Dares getting second was the thing I was the most stoked about from the Olympics. Just I'm like, this dude's 36 years old, competing in the Olympics, gets second, and not only did he get second, but he had he like had to put it all on the line, similar to Charlotte, to yeah. to make it happen because he was not in second up until his last and second run. Um, I don't know how he does it because like I got friends who are like. 33 like I am and they're complaining about you know not being able to ride anytime soon because they're still sore for the last session but this guy is just still setting himself out all the time I think that probably has a lot to do with your activities outside of riding too very true very true but uh yeah it's good to know that um there's still still someone older that's like 
at his peak and he's still up there and he's still progressing though so that's pretty cool oh yeah but even i was just talking today uh with the guy who owns the trails that i ride at um yeah we talked about nyquist and he's like i was i watched nyquist when i was a kid and he's <laughs> he, he's like he's like the only person who i watch as a kid and then he correct you so not the only person who still rides but like the only one who is still like at the peak of their riding and competing at a professional level and it's wild to see three i think yeah it's crazy yeah no it's awesome it's good to know that it's it's you know it's not like you have to put a time cap on your on your riding career you know you can keep doing this as long as you want to as long as you like take care of your body because ryan like i follow him like he's like up at like 5 a.m doing like cycling classes with his wife and stuff like he takes care of his body for the longevity of it right and as the sooner you recognize that the better same Mm -hmm. time too there's a guy on youtube his name is mendo he's from russia and he's he might older now but at the time that his video came out he was 68 years old and didn't start riding until he was 62 he's doing that's fo- amazing yeah he's doing foot jams air to fakies fly out 360s like he's riding well and he didn't start until he was in his 60s i gotta check that out and and that's a good that's a good thing to show anyone who's like I'm, I'm this old, is it too late to start BMX? It's not. Because nope. it depends. If your goal is to like get into BMX and be a pro, like first of all, that's like the wrong mindset for it. It kind of goes back to like doing what you love and making sure that for me, it's like giving back to community and, and doing something for someone else. Mm-hmm. But if, if you feel like you're too old to compete or to ride, you gotta look at it like, why? Are you just, are you already like measuring yourself to like other people who are in their prime and have been riding for like 20 years because I, I've spoken to women that like want to get into the sport but then they deter themselves because they're already comparing themselves to like these people who've already been ridden, riding for like 10 years plus yeah um, you don't get old until you quit when you slow mm-hmm. down in life that's when you start getting old but yeah. the cool thing is that we've learned in the past you know recent history that you can kind of like reverse that a little bit by becoming active and just working out and riding and yeah. whatever it might be. And it's also pretty interesting too that like, so there was the original like girl BMX rider who was like the first pro women rider. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her name, but she was like years before Nina, like a way yeah like way 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 long time ago but aside from that Nina and Corey and maybe some others that I just don't know Mm -hmm. like there's not as many older women riders yet so it's it's also cool to see that I mean I tell people all the time that like we don't know how old someone can be and still be riding freestyle BMX because one it wasn't started until like people like Dave Volker and all these guys and Bob Haro like Mm -hmm. these guys aren't dead yet they're not a hundred years old and we're not talking about them in the past tense like the amount of people who could be old in riding is way smaller unless you started later in life I think that's a good perspective like BMX freestyle is still a really young sport um 
I mean, it's kind of weird to to see like kids riding at the age that they are now and knowing that like, huh, I was like, I, I was here at this time when you were mm-hmm. born and you're killing it on BMX right now. Yeah. We're seeing generations of riders. Like, um, I didn't know that Kevin Peraza's dad was a rider and that's how he got into it. Like, that's really cool to see that, but you're seeing generations of BMX experience being passed down. Like Aubrey's dad is a BMXer. That's awesome. Yeah. There's a few of them. I mean, Brock Rayford is one, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what's his face? Justin Spreet. His dad rides as well, or did ride. I don't know the current status, but yeah, like we just don't know. And I think that's yeah. really a cool thing to think about mm-hmm. in all of it. Yeah, it's cool just that it's becoming more accepted. Because like when I started riding, it it was a hooligans activity. You know, mm-hmm. um, we had to fight our way to get into skate parks because it was. It was Gate only and yeah i mean still like that these days anyways but um yeah definitely a different time yeah it's it's pretty it's i think it's cool to see where things are at and you you talked about how you see like these kids who are riding and doing things and compared to like where you were at at that age it's funny because i like i use that whenever new kids come around in my local area to see like to see where they're at when they're riding and like compare okay so like i was doing this when i was this age and they're doing it at this age and so like they could potentially get to be like incredible and whatever based on that i i love that type of stuff and just thinking about those things Mm -hmm. it's it's it makes you feel a little bit smaller too but in like a good way like it's just understanding that the world is so much bigger and um yeah yeah uh coming back to the bloom stuff okay you quit your job you're doing (laughs) the bloom full time Mm -hmm. i I know that we talked before you actually quit your job and you were nervous as hell Um, how you feeling good great (laughs) uh yeah i can't i can't really i can't really describe how intensely anxious I, i was making the decision um i spoke to my therapist um i spoke to um like five six different people and it all boiled down to if i don't do this it would be a disservice yeah it'd be a disservice to me it would be a disservice to angie it'd be a disservice to the community um and that i had to do it and my therapist actually said that and and that was the point where i was like well let's let's send it because as someone else also said, I can easily get another nine to five job. Yeah. If this doesn't work out, um, definitely highly capable of, of doing the same thing again, climbing up the corporate ladder and like mm. getting to the highest level and get, getting bored again. I can easily do that again. Yeah. Um, but I definitely had a lot of self doubt. I had a lot of um, just non confident thoughts like, what if I'm too old to get a new job at this point? <laughs> too old to get a new <laughs> yeah, job. I like. I don't know if I can learn another. Program you were just making stuff up in your head. I was. I was. It, that's what anxiety is. But um, yeah. When when I finally sent the, so there was a, an incident at work that really upset me and it just made me realize that no matter how much I do for this company, they're always going to, for some reason protect this individual that's a complete idiot mm-hmm. and there this this company will not progress I, despite all my good intentions despite all the money i'm bringing into it um 
And then, so that, that thing happened. Um, took the weekend to think about it while everything is also building up for the bloom as well. And I wrote my, um, what is it called? Not the pink slip, resignation letter. Put your two weeks in. <laughs> yeah, I sent it to myself. I saved it in my work folder. And then Monday I came in, I was stepping apology for my manager, didn't get it. And then I just sent it. I just sent it. I Did you send me. it with your middle finger? <laughs> no. I, I mean, for dramatic reasons, I should have. But um, yeah, I, I sent the email and I felt relief, ex- like excitement. Um, I don't think, I think I had one moment of like, no, actually, I don't think I had any regrets um, doing that. I was pretty confident. Um, and then I messaged Angie right away to let her know. Yeah. She sent me like the party emojis and um yeah, even I spoke to so many people before just to like go through the thoughts of like yeah. becoming a freelancer and like doing this full time and um I and I one of the moments that kinda of made me realize that I needed to do this was that I spent two weeks in California for bands, uh the bands bloom tour mm-hmm. and there was no way that I could get another eight weeks off because oh, of all the stuff yeah. coming up. And I, I I felt nervous even thinking about it, but I would have to talk to my boss and negotiate stuff, and I just realized it wasn't worth it. Um, and that I just had to keep repeating to myself that it's going to work out. And even Chris Fox, I like spoke to him a little bit as well. He said, money's going to come and go, and if that's something you're worried about, you'll be fine. Yeah. And everything's been fine since. I've been lucky to have a lot of my travel expenses paid for all the things I've been doing. Um, and then just to get by, like I'm doing some pretty cool like freelancing stuff with like social media management. Mm-hmm. Um, we live in an amazing time right now where like you can do this kind of stuff. And there's so many more industries that you can tap into and still live your life and do bloom, or for me, doing the bloom and doing what I want. Um, yep. But yeah, it's been great ever since. Um, and so many people uh, talk about doing this all the time, like I did for like 15 years. Yep. And I still, I still cannot believe I actually did it. Yeah. And I'm so glad I did. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of those stories, and there's a lot of mm-hmm. the "I wish I did it" stories. That's yeah. That's why I never like even attempted to find a full time job again. After well, my you've situation. got a good setup right now with like being able to work at home mm-hmm. and do what you want to do eventually one day you'll realize that okay what the the Brett Moore empire is getting a lot busier <laughs> so you're gonna have to like make some decisions yeah um, it's getting there one day though yeah I'm, I'm uh, definitely trying to hold out as long as possible just because the uh the double income from that like for as long as humanly possible is, is going to be nice to have that was actually one of the advice that was given to me is that if i can keep doing both as long as i can that it's good because you're not in a situation where you have to be forced to make a decision Mm -hmm. because of finances um and i was planning to stay as long as i could but when the thing that blew up at work just kind of put me over the edge and i was like f this yeah so yeah It's, Um, it's funny that you had to get guilted into it by your therapist if you don't do this, it's a disservice to BMX. 
she she said it more <laughs> harshly but like not in like a, a aggressive way or anything but I, I forget her specific wording but it was a lot of people who made me realize that I'm going to be missing out on a really big opportunity and to be honest like every event that I've gone to since the dance trip it's allowed us to have more access to other opportunities and advertising and and um I'm am I making the same amount as I did before no was I nervous about it did I have like crazy goals like I gotta make this much to justify me quitting my job yes I had those thoughts but you get used to it um and I'm getting by like just fine like I'm able to feed myself like I, I moved back home just to make this work um and, and everything's been good. Um, yeah. Do I do I think this is long term? I hope it is. But if it's not, then at least I can like die and and <laughs> not. I mean, this this is what I've been telling people too. Like, I I think Steve Jobs had a quote saying saying something like, "If you wake up and you look in the mirror and you're not happy or something, you need to reevaluate your life." And that's kind of what I did. Was just if I got into a car accident the next day. And I was on my like last breath, and would I have any regrets? I would definitely have them if I were still working my corporate job and not pursuing this. And and at least I can say now that if I something happened, I could say I I took the leap, and it's been completely worth it, and been loads of fun, and I got I got to like meet a bunch of new people too in the process. Yep, I'm pulling oh. up the uh, Steve Jobs quote right now to. Can you find it? Yeah, it's pretty easy to find. Yeah, there's so many of them. I know it's so cheesy, but it's, it's you know, um, these quotes are also coming from, like, people who've made a difference in the world, too. So, I mean, I think they know a thing or two. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> says, for the past 33 years, I have looked in the mirror every morning and asked myself, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I'm about to do today? And whenever the That's answer it. has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. It's been no for like 15 years for me of working, but I, I stuck with it. I think that there's a lot of people in this world who would answer no to that as they go into work. And, and I think that there's a lot of people who are unfortunately stuck in that position and literally cannot get out. They've got too many kids that they have to support to be able to to like not make as much money as they are they've got a miserable wife or like yeah there's there's so there's so many factors they screwed themselves by buying the wrong car with too high of a payment or some kind of crazy situation or whatever this thing might be that prevents people from following their dreams and and when you're able to follow your dreams and try to make what you would love to do in life happen, it's something that you should do. I don't yeah. I don't necessarily I, agree with Gary Vee saying, quit your job. Oh, did he say that? <laughs> he oh just says that all the time as like a thing, like quit him. your job. Yeah, I don't follow him, but my last job, my last boss loves him. Yeah. And I didn't realize that, but that's pretty funny. Um, my, la- my boss, my last boss though, he... Um, it, it was hard, I think, on him to see me go because I like as like one of his like number one employees, like mm. he tried to keep me. But he also, as an entrepreneur, knew how important this important this was to take this leap. So yeah. it's people to have his support in it. Um, but yeah, I, I will say that um, 
I'm fortunate enough that I don't have kids. I don't have a boyfriend or a husband. I ended up actually in December of last year, not planning to leave my job by any means, but I just wanted to see for money, moved out of my condo and moved back home. Yeah. Um, with the possibility of just opening myself up just in case I decided to take a leap. Um, so, of course, there are sacrifices on my end, but I'm not saying that if you got kids or something to like ditch them to follow your dreams, but I'm definitely lucky in that case that things lined up for me. Yeah, I mean, you could keep the whole uh, cliche quote thing going just by <laughs> by the one that people put from uh, The Rock. What is that? I'm going to pull that one up too because why not? Yeah, this is a good one. Oh God, we gotta find a really good picture from it. I don't know if he actually said this or not, but it's mm -hmm. it's good. It's good. We'll just yeah. put it that way. It says, "Don't work eight hours for a company, then go home and not work on your own goals. You're not tired. You're uninspired." Mm, that's, that's a big one. It's definitely a thing, and and we all know people who go home after their full-time job and work on their their dreams trying to make yeah. things happen I, I definitely know people like that and, and yeah I was one of them as well and it was weird because like you think coming home after eight hours working in an office to do more stuff for your computer would actually exhaust you more but yeah I I got to do my own thing I felt actually energetic but it got to the point where like oh boy I was doing bloom stuff at work um, on my break and on lunch and at work <laughs> you're you're not in work anymore you can say you were doing no, it no, on no. the clock I, no, no, no. No, no. don't I, lie I, you know you no, did I'm not I, I wasn't and, not and, one time ever plus, no never no no I don't believe you no 15 minute breaks twice a day and my lunch that was that was when I did bloom stuff but when I, I was guarantee working, you did it in the bathroom at least once yes ah, on the clock <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed to go pee, okay? Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I specifically made sure that, like, my work time was my work time. Yeah. And I put everything in, and then bloom time was bloom time. But, yeah, I'd also, I also I also realized, too, that, like, if I if I can put this much effort into someone else's dream, I should do this for myself. Mm -hmm. um, and I've yet to really hit that peak yet with, do, with what I'm doing. And I've recognized that recently with... Um, just when you when you finally get your your own like you know life together with like your own job or not your own job but like you're doing your own thing yeah i found for me that i was not good with time management even though i was great at it at work because at work they give you a rubric they mm -hmm. give you an outline of like what you need to achieve what you need to hit your numbers and all that i didn't have that with the bloom so i'm slowly developing that to keep myself um on point with what my goals are with it and then yeah but that's it's only been a couple of months but it's a learning process learning more about myself yeah you're turning it into a legitimate like real serious business you're trying, trying to yeah you're taking I, I it mean, from like what was done in your spare time to what is your full time yeah actually yeah that's kind of crazy i i hope it's it becomes one of those like garage stories that you always hear but uh i 
with the conversations that we're having with brands right now, like I, I have to be that person. I have to put the corporate hat on mm-hmm. and, and, and make sure that we're delivering what they want. And, and for me, going beyond of what their expectations are. Um, so yeah, I, and that was instilled in me from when I was working at, at Amex and like, um, pretty cool job. I got to like service the 1% of the world. So if you have, if you have a platinum card or a centurion card, uh, which is the black card. Um, I was the concierge for it. And then the, the training for that was super intense because we have to really not only create a relationship right away, but like going beyond the service and a call of duty. And that's what I'm trying to bring into BMX right now with what we're doing. That is definitely something that BMX needs <laughs> because for, I mean, yeah. and that's not saying, not trying to like shit on it or anything, but like there's, there's, definitely you know when you look at certain pro riders and you see the sense of professionalism that they have and then you know when you look at other people and you're like oh this person just wants to ride their bike and that's all they care about doing that's all they want to do but in the day and age we live in you can no longer just be good at riding your bike and be a pro bmx rider yeah i mean obviously depends what your goals are but like you, you can be a pro rider and be unrefined a little bit and, and still be loved and like, you know, all that stuff. But it's the rider that like takes that extra step to smile and wave at the podium and take photos with kids and make conversations. That's the pro that not only makes lifelong memories for these kids and next generation riders, but they're also making their sponsors look really good. And and that's the point. Keep them paid longer. <laughs> yeah. You are whether you like it or not if you are getting paid to ride your bike you are a billboard for a company and Mm -hmm. it's pretty easy to get a new billboard if the print is falling off of the previous one you can put it that way (laughs) especially this day and age and like to, to add on it to as well like you also have to be you you have to have the full package you know the friendliness the markability like it's it's um it could be easily found i think through another rider but if you can make yourself a little bit different and going that extra step it's you know you get to keep that position a little bit longer yeah a hundred thousand percent and what's so cool about the age of the internet is that people don't necessarily have to rely on companies within bmx or like things within bmx to make it as a rider Mm -hmm. there's avenues like youtube and now freaking instagram is kind of crazy tiktok is wild too with like make how much money you can make if you do things correctly just through instagram and tiktok I'm still trying to figure that out because we just got TikTok to bloom and it's it's like being okay, but I feel like it could do better. I just haven't figured out the algorithms and like all that stuff, but that's a part of like, I have to learn that because of my other positions and my other clients as well. But um, there's that and, and commercially as well. Um, I've had in the last, yeah, in the last year since the Olympics, there's been more of a demand for BMX specific advertising needs. Um, even in Canada, we had last year, they were looking for a dad and a daughter to ride down a ramp for a CAA commercial, which is the equivalent of AAA in the States. Okay. Um, and then 
before the Olympics, there was an uptick as well. We had a company reach out to us looking for like a female rider for a pop company that was going to be a commercial in Colombia, but they wanted to shoot in California. Mm. So, yeah, so definitely um, BMX has a lot of opportunities. Is it still the highest paying sport? No. It's getting there. <laughs> I was trying to be nice about it. It's but... not even getting there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think you got to hustle outside of BMX, but still be on your BMX to make money, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, to combat the uh, the purists out there who be like, oh, you should just ride for fun and whatever. Okay, then don't be a pro BMX rider. <laughs> okay, so I love to talk to about that because um, I was talking to a bro, a, a bro, a bro, a pro. I would worry about that, and um, I feel that that's a really shitty way to like express your jealousy. I'm sorry, but it oh, is. you're absolutely right. I mean, we. I think when we get into riding, I think we can fairly say that when we we and even right now as an adult how sick would it be to be able to ride your bike not have to worry about your bills because you're getting paid by your sponsors why is that a bad thing and also you know when you're when when joe from the other cubicle gets a raise or a promotion everyone's clapping there's cake there's like confetti confetti and then maybe some hot dogs or something like that there's there's a celebration but when bmx happens where it happens in BMX, I just feel like there's always that like, oh, he's he's selling out now, or um, you know, it's, uh, riding mountain bikes like people get shit on that. Like, you're, do you want to know what it is? <laughs> do you want to know what it really is? What it's Delphi. well, it's it's that, and it's also a sense of self entitlement that your personal beliefs and views should matter more than the person who's doing it. Anybody, okay, let's dive deep into that. Oh, um, let me expand. <laughs> okay. So, so let's give an example. Somebody goes and rides a mountain bike, and mm-hmm. people in BMX are like, oh, they're culture vultures and they're stealing BMX riders and whatever they want to say and and they say it as if this person should take their perspective and their their thoughts and ideas about this and yeah. implement them into their life's their <laughs> life and what they do so mm-hmm. so so let me get this straight what you're saying and I'll use myself as an example is that when you leave that comment telling me that I should cut my hair that, that I should cut my hair and deal with the cut hair that I did just because you don't like it in your life when you don't even have to deal with it other than if you click on a video of mine. Like, that's essentially what we're talking about with this whole yeah. conversation. How old are you, by the way? 27? I just turned 29. 29. Okay. Well, I'm, if you ever feel like those types of comments, like the hair one, that actually does exist. You're 29 and you're not bald. If I were you, I'd grow that hair out as long as I fucking want. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, do, I don't want to do that because I my I get my hair cut and it looks like an entire head of hair came off of my head. <laughs> but isn't it crazy? Like, we, we get those comments on the bloom as well. Um, not a lot. There's always the one few negative comments, but it's always like a hidden profile. Like, there's nothing on it or it's like, a guy with like just his cats or something like that mm-hmm. that doesn't ride you know it's it's 
There are definitely I'm, writers who say these things too, though. They yeah. just don't do it on the internet. They just do it in person. Do it in person, and honestly, like I, when I see this, these comments online, I'm just like, if you would have, if you got to meet this person in real life, like the pro that you're shitting on, you would not see these things because no. he or she is like badass and cool and kind, and they want to talk to you and give you their time, and you're bitching about some shit that you saw that you don't disagree with or, th- or agree with for some reason yeah like you're bored get out do something do, yeah literally that's another aspect <laughs> of it like why do you have time or why are you devoting time in your life to saying the things that, like like you act that's a coming back to like you're acting like this person should care what you have to say mm. so much that it should affect their life and Another thing that uh, I feel like I've been waiting on a chance to say this for a a long time, and I may have said it before, but like the conversation of uh, I need to just make a video about it. But the conversation of people are saying like, oh, you shouldn't be using BMX to make money or making money off of BMX. The distinction that needs to be made here is someone the example people always give is nigel sylvester or you could even say people would give that example of brad sims now because he's like working so far outside of bmx with what he's doing and and the difference is or not the differences there is a difference between making money off of bmx and the bmx industry and making money using the skill of bmx that you've learned as a tool Mm -hmm to Mm -hmm. to be valuable to whoever's deciding to pay you and and when people say you're making money off of bmx what you should be looking at is the people who suck at being a professional rider who's getting paid by the company to not do their job because they suck at being a real like professional rider and being that essentially billboard for the company do you do you want a rider to be paid like however much for doing nothing, or do you want a rider to actually like putting himself out there and doing the work and doing the contests and, and being paid properly? You know, like what we're like, what's your mindset on that? Um, you should shouldn't make money off of BMX. You shouldn't want to make money from BMX. It's like it's such a dumb thought to have and so backwards because there's there is people in BMX who are making money off of the industry who are not like exactly i don't know who who i feel like aren't uh i don't know exactly what i'm trying to say you get it you get it they're they're not they're not putting in the work to get what like they're not returning on that investment from bmx as an industry oh yeah yeah for sure i i'm yeah there's definitely individuals i'm like they're still on that team are they getting paid or is it just like for the namesake um but then it's the same time real quick at the same time someone like van homan for example should never have to work a day in his life like Mm -hmm. because of the impact he's made in in bmx yes if he made enough money to live the rest of his life and all his bills would be paid and it came directly from the bmx industry i don't think anyone like there's people like that that exist within bmx well, to, to go, um, to add on to that point, too, like, Ben's put his body on the line for years for the growth mm-hmm. of BMX. He's inspired um, millions, I don't want to say millions, because there's a lot of people in the world. Oh, we've got a response. 
Oh boy. They're abusing the fun in the art of the sport. Have fun saying that while you're at work tomorrow, because that's the concept I believe in with it. If you have the ability to use this skill that you've developed over 10, 10, 15, 20 years, however long it might be, that is BMX, to have fun riding your bike and make money from it, I think the person saying that is the person with the problem because it sounds like that person who's getting paid to do it is uh, doing just fine. So the comment was that they're, the issue is that they're abusing the fun of the sport? The was fun right? and art of the sport. Well, but that's, that can be interpreted in different ways. So a rider who competes at like a UCI event who is having fun being in the gym and competing at these competitions, that's fun for them. And, and if they can make money off of it and be able to afford, the, afford like their meals and travel, and especially with plane tickets these days, it's a lot of money. Like, why is that a bad thing? They're putting their bodies on the line. Look at, look at athletes who got in accidents and now they can't ride anymore. Thank goodness they had a lot of money come their way when they were at their peak because or else they'd be just messed up now. And then, mm -hmm. I don't know, imagining the worst on drugs, you know, in the freaking ditch, yeah, not riding their bike, you know, like um, these, these riders are, are, these riders who are taking in the money, they're putting their bodies on the line and they're inspiring the next generation. They deserve this. They deserve to have some sort of nest egg to like have something when they retire. And to add to that point, on top of that, um, Morgan Wade did an interview with our BMX not too long ago, and he even said that he regretted not taking a corporate company sponsor because that would have been financially better for him because he was worried, not to quote him specifically, but what the community was thinking. So mm -hmm. he stayed with like a smaller core BMX company, which is admirable for sure, but I mean, he could have been better in the long run if he went with this corporate company. Yeah. Absolutely. And and another thing to even add to that is like if somebody is good enough to compete at contests and win them and provide for themselves and they aren't having fun doing it, you know what they're doing? They're going to work just like you guys who are bitching mm -hmm. about this. They're yeah. going to work, putting in the, the work that they have to to make the money that supports them. And and I think that everybody has their line in the sand for what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do and there might be certain things that a larger group of larger amount of people would be like okay like that that might be a little too far <laughs> yeah but well, but at the end of the day though it's only the only person who matters in that is the person doing it and it's also important to note here too don't forget what you were going to say <laughs> it's also important to note here too that freedom of speech and expression does exist and you can say and feel however you want to about something but just realize at the end of the day that that is your thoughts and feelings about the thing and they might not matter to the person yeah. it shouldn't matter to the person who's actually in the shoes I think it's important to disagree, but it's it's definitely weird to see those comments be so aggressive sometimes about their own beliefs and like, you know, selling out and that kind of stuff. Um, I feel it's good to disagree, but it'd be nice to see more construct constructive disagreements. But my thought that I was thinking of is, um, you know, when you're in the office and you're arguing with your boss or 
some guidance and an email right away is delaying your your job and all that fun office stuff. BMX is at the level right now where the athletes are dealing with that. You know, they got like a difficult coach. They're not receiving their pay on time. That's a common one that we can all relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, they put out thousands of dollars and because the pay is delayed, they may not be able to afford the next event or do they take that risk of going to that event. The, the life of an athlete, um, as glamorous as it looks from our seats right now, it's it can be a really stressful situation that I'm not amenable to be honest. Uh, when I was younger, I was like, it'd be really cool to be a pro and travel and like get things paid and covered for. But um, <laughs> sorry, my, <laughs> my dog just the room. But um, it's a very stressful position, um, and I think people don't realize that. And I, I will say, just be more compassionate before you're posting stuff like that. You don't know what these individuals are going through because not only are they dealing with like a crappy boss or a late payment, they're also dealing with like freaking private message Joe and his like negative comments who you don't know. You know, it's it's a lot that they have to deal with. Yeah, mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm done with the negative soapbox. Yeah, that's why I love you. You're so positive, and I wish people like. Um, more people knew about you. I mean, I think you're pretty big anyways, but like, I love the fact that you're the corner of BMX that's positive. You're able to view situations um, in a constructive manner. And every time there's a blow up in, in the BMX drama world, like I love the fact that you actually take your piece on it. And I always agree with it. So, yeah. I am <laughs> of the side of being reasonable about things and just looking at both sides of anything and and i've felt for a long time ever since i heard this saying uh if you can't argue the opposite side of your opinion on anything you have no right to your opinion on that thing so I I, i just look at everything that way and say like if this situation comes up and i can't argue the other side of it well then i need to figure out how to argue the other side of it and think about that before i even think about talking about it it can be a curse too like especially like for me i am like that as well i always look at both sides i get i get both sides and sometimes it's hard to come to a decision i think often enough it's probably difficult to talk to me about that because i won't agree with you Mm -hmm. but i won't disagree with you either yeah it's a canadian thing i guess i don't know (laughs) you haven't said a boot or a one time yet um about it's not something I say often. I boot. I do throw the A often though. <laughs> There's a guy uh, who is in Canada for the tractor company that I work at who he develops products and he has to come down here a lot to like bring product down instead of just shipping it. And yeah. and he says A a lot and it's so good. I love it. It's just so natural, like um I don't know. I'm surprised I haven't said it during this whole thing actually you might have and i just didn't realize <laughs> it um so so let's let's talk about canada okay actually first let's talk about uh who is the the lady bmx shredder that is like the legend of canada is there one no oh listen canada, canadians <laughs> canada is um developing still in in competition bmx riders at mm-hmm. least we've got a really great core riders though but i always joke that canada's always 
a decade behind the U.S., so hopefully we'll have that. Um, they've actually started to uh, look into expanding the BMX world in Second Canada. They recently have like a job posting for it for the coach. Oh, um, I think I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, someone from the UK ap- applied for it, which is pretty cool. So we'll see. Um, <laughs> There's yeah, coach position. There's a judge position that I applied for as well. I originally wanted to be a US, UCI judge yeah. before things blew up with the bloom. But after going to my first these competition, I'm really glad that. No kidding. It didn't go anywhere with it. Not for the judging aspect, for, but for the fact that the judges can't um, talk to the athletes really or like engage with them because, you know, here's a 20. Give me an extra point. Kind of Obvious thing. reasons. Um, not, not, not like that happening, but. Um, but they're just so like not in the space and yeah yeah but yeah uh unfortunately for women's bmx in canada um a lot of our girls unfortunately who had competed in fees they either gone to mountain biking specifically full-time had to work a full-time job yeah because there's no funding oh weird (laughs) i wonder where that comes from yeah so, uh, I mean, that, that is the reality of it. There's no funding right now for Canadian athletes. And because of that, you, you can't keep putting out thousands of dollars every couple months because flights are like, what, $4,000 now to go to, like, overseas. Like, it, my, my, my one friend, it was, it, there was no funding. It wasn't worth her going anymore. The, right. the stress of, like, competing as well was always, always too much. And, like... At least, if you're dealing with the stress of competing and not have to deal with the stress of finances, at least that gets you keeps you going a little bit longer and compete. Right. Um, it was still fun for her, but it was just a struggle that like she had to worry about her paycheck because she may not have one because she's competing in and overseas for weeks at a time. That's like, rough. Office people, you have like what two to three weeks off a year. Yeah. That's one competition. Uh, the cycle that's crazy yeah um and then you know we've got some girls that um are beginning there's there's a new surgeons of little shredders but nothing right now that i'm seeing that i keep my eye on but again we're always a decade behind the u.s so we'll probably see some girls soon so the female jay miron is like hiding somewhere yet to be somewhere. found and mm-hmm in the stages of uh just just waiting to be somewhere there. but for the dudes though they're killing it um i i would assume that they're probably not doing so great financially financially like i don't think second canada um has like a program mm-hmm. and if well no they do have a program like usa cycling like if you hit like a certain tier like if you podium you get this much but none of our guys have um, podium yet, so I would assume they're doing this all of our, out of their pockets. That's crazy. Um, but the few guys that we do have from Canada, they also, I think, worked or are working for Cirque du Soleil, mm. and that pays really well. So yeah. I mean, that that's a good marriage to where they can train and perform, get paid, and then do competitions as well. So yeah i i feel like bmx riders uh are really really at least the ones who are trying to make things happen that way are really good at finding the types of jobs and situations where you're able to have the freedom that you need yeah um so so how do you feel 
Faye Miron. <laughs> that, that, That'd be sick. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, how do you feel about the current state of female BMX versus where it was, you know, five years ago? How I feel about it? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm consistently blown away every day by how much content there is, how much new talent is is building up every day. Like, it's, it's actually gone to the point in the last six months I would say for me to keep up it's gone to the point where now I, I can't cover as much racing as I want to even though I've recently reconnected with it and um, I'm trying to put in more racing content on our feed and on our website but there's just so much right now yeah um, so I'm, I'm proud to see how far it's come um, thank you social media gods for making this happen because I really think it was social media that's really catapulted everything you know um, the, the I don't know, six-year-old kid that's like scrolling your feed is seeing a, a female rider for the first time and not have to rely on a contest to see that. Yeah. Oh, so that's this, a really good point. <clears throat> yeah. So it's a lot It's a lot easier um, for BMX as a whole to grow now because of it. Yeah, that that's a great point. Um, I think that one thing that has changed pretty dramatically in just the past couple of years is that the majority of larger companies if not all of them have a pro level rider that is a female and they're still looking um there's a company that reached out to us that was looking for a female rider i'm like i don't know who you want but it's it's getting to the point now where if you want (laughs) an x-level rider you're gonna have to pay the big bucks i mean bmx big bucks but uh but yeah that monopoly right, money Bethany, like she's gonna be at, a, at that level very soon and i'm sure there are a lot of companies watching her right now seeing if she's a good fit so going back to what i said earlier it's beyond going it's beyond looking at like your skill level the tricks that you can do in a contest that you're hitting up but are you also a good person mm-hmm. and that was a conversation i had with a, a brand recently at bad share that you have to be the full package are you a good person off the bike as well as on it yeah. and are you doing more than just riding your bike are you giving back to the community are you um doing you know are you participating in rad share events for example and, and doing something good for a underprivileged kid and yeah so yeah yeah it's it's grown quite a lot in just the past couple of years alone and it's wild to think about where you're saying like if you're going to get a female rider at a certain level, you're going to have to pay for it. And uh, to think about the fact that Hannah Roberts did not even have a bike sponsor for such a long time. And yeah. she rode for Carl and Nowhere BMX for a little while before she ended up on Hyper. And that's pretty crazy to think about how, like, in the current environment we're in, you take... You, inv- you just dream up a rider who's as good as Hannah mm-hmm. immediately gonna be on a company getting paid instantly yeah. was that an animal <laughs> that was my dog um yeah but like for for Hannah though and going back to what I said with the full package like you need to also be good at marketing yourself as well yeah and Hannah has been very vocal about not putting herself online as much as she wants to because of the negative comments mm-hmm. so your your negative comments whether you think it's very light because it's about your hair is making an impact on somebody and it's making a negative impact um 
whether or not you know it, or maybe it's not threat, but like I just feel like people need to be less shitty. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, for for a girl right now, it's not enough to be that token girl anymore. Yeah, you really need to be everything if you want to have everything. You got to work for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and. And I think that that brings the, like, the really, truly great people to the top. Yeah. Like Dave Mira. Yeah, Look absolutely. He, he was really the first, obviously, they pioneered it. He was not only just a great a great athlete, but a great team. And he took he took photos with fans. They made him feel special. He, he also had that marketing power as well. And I remember um, he also had a website and a fan club like a patreon equivalent oh interesting back then wow where you could pay to get like dave mira swag so <laughs> he was doing it first and i'll say the games and all that stuff but yeah i i don't think there's a writer right now male or female that's doing what he's doing but he also has had that likability you know it's just he had, he had everything yeah <laughs> somebody was talking about my hair again they, they're just saying how it's not that crazy that we want to talk about it. We're not just talking about talking about it. I, was, I specifically mentioned earlier that there's comments of people who are literally just saying, cut your hair. <laughs> Either way, uh, it's. I think it's amazing to see where women's BMX is at and kind of feel like looking at how BMX as a whole grew we can kind of get an idea of like what's possible and and maybe even like how much further it can go with the power of the internet that just didn't exist when bmx as a whole is at the level that like not necessarily the level but like the the sponsorships and the amount of people who are starting to get hooked up and competing and progression and how fast that's happening when things were at a similar level before like it's it's cool to be able to look at things that way. I mean, to throw another quote in, and I think the show's been nothing but quotes everywhere, but um, seeing is believing. And, and because these younger girls can see riders like Charlotte throw up like a 720 like it was nothing, mm-hmm. they can see it's possible for them as a female, as a girl, as, a, as even binary or or and everything in between that that's possible and i think that's really important um it's it's interesting as i get older i see how more important that is as a as a writer growing up as someone that's asian that didn't impact me like i didn't need to see an asian another asian writer to feel that like this was possible yeah i just kind of rolled with the dudes and like i never thought about my race or anything but i know how important it is though to have that representation so we always try like from the bloom too like when i'm going through thief and putting something up i'm trying to put up like different um ethnicities and all that stuff just just so that there's a variety because yeah we're at the stage right now in bmx uh, and in women's bmx that there's there's girls from all over the world and and we need to showcase that yeah and I mean, obviously, being just a dude, like, <laughs> I, I can't look at things through the same lens, but I can imagine that a, you know, 6 to 11-year-old girl watching BMX on TV 10 years ago yeah. is going, is less likely to see it and be like, ooh, I want to do that than if she saw Charlotte 
riding or the women's class in the Olympics, like there's a very distinct difference there because you're watching dudes ride. I feel like it's just naturally not, it's not as natural to make that connection of like, Ooh, I want to do that. And there's less people. It, for me, like watching dudes growing up, it always felt out of reach, even though like, I know, I know obviously if you put the work into it and you build that muscle memory and that's how I think about tricks right now, like everything is possible. You just Mm -hmm. have to throw yourself. But I always felt kind of disconnected watching guys ride that like it was very unreachable, but it's not now. Like we're seeing this generation where these girls, like Hannah and Charlotte doing tricks that felt unreachable when I was younger. Now now we're seeing other girls replicating that and and we're gonna keep seeing that with the help of social media yeah um and so i guess i can address this one because it applies directly to what i just said someone said is chelsea wolf good for inspiring girls or is that weird not now i wouldn't say anything about being weird what i would say is it's the exact same thing that i just said about the six to eleven year old girl Mm -hmm. except Mm -hmm. replace six to eleven year old girl with whoever it might be who feels the same way Mm -hmm. seeing someone in that position riding and and maybe not who seeing just a you know random dude or whoever it might be riding maybe not make the connection there but see chelsea and make a connection say oh maybe i want to do this yeah um i think that's that is a good question to ask thank you i think chelsea is amazing for the trans community I think she's she's allowing the trans community to do what they want to do. Um, as a as the Canadian or Switzerland, um, I don't know how I feel about um, a trans rider in a women's class. To be honest, mm-hmm. I, at one point, I think it's pretty cool to see that to see the diversity and how welcoming BMX is. But then, with my own. I omit my own ignorance. I, I don't know if there is um, a fairness to it, to be honest. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's hard be, trying to be politically correct, like and respectful, because I like Chelsea and she's a good person. And then, like I've spoken to her before about other things as well. But I I just don't know if I can fully back it. I feel that we're at the stage right now there are a lot of trans riders and i think it'd be kind of cool to see them like compete in their own class to be honest to add on top of that as well i also feel like i wonder do they feel like they have to hold back because they probably are able to maybe compete stronger and and better than what they're currently doing too so i don't know i think there's a pretty good response to this that we can mm-hmm. say without getting canceled yeah. <laughs> is that i probably cancel at this point anyways but i'll admit like i don't i don't have an answer i just yeah i think that the only people whose thoughts and opinions matter in that entire conversation are the people who are in that class mm-hmm. if if every single person in that class agrees and thinks that it should be totally fine and they're okay with it well then it doesn't matter at all because the people who are actually involved are okay with something like that and yeah. and if they're not well then maybe that's when questions need to be asked or 
if they feel like they can't talk about it and they aren't, then maybe that's when questions need to be asked. But ultimately, my opinion on it, that I mean, that is my opinion on it. But people like you, you're different because you're directly involved with women's BMX. I mean, I, I don't think my opinion really matters in this space as well. But I, I will admit that, like, I don't have really an opinion on it. Like, I see the opinions and I see the feelings on both sides. Yeah. And I, I don't think anyone's wrong and i don't think anyone's right which is hard i just i don't know yeah and and that's that's the where i stand on the entire subject and and uh that's what i would say outside of Mm -hmm. doing a talk on the internet too and and what unfortunately happens in the world we live in is that like people would be mad at us right now for not just saying yep absolutely it should happen no questions asked whatsoever and and i would hope that anybody who would hear like what we have to say about this and and that specific like uh thought about it would be reasonable and understanding that like what we have to say doesn't really matter because we aren't the ones doing it and i think if you're upset with the fact that like I think both of our stats are kind of in the middle. If you're upset about that, then you're you're coming at an angle that's very biased. Then, and fortunately, I've had conversations where I've, I've been very central, and I've had people upset with me because of that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just I don't really agree or disagree with you. Yeah. I'm in the middle. I see your point. You know? And it's okay to be in yeah. the middle about things. And as once again, I'm just being the reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> side. I think. The- the cool thing is that like individuals like myself and like even you like we're open to being educated yeah and we're not <clears throat> shutting it out like i'm not saying hard no to like a trans writer in a female class um i think that's actually horrible to be like that i, I think you need to be open with that see and to go into it more it's just so complicated too like uh, testing results and like numbers and stuff like i don't know i don't have an opinion on it I, when I, I hear it, yeah, I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I think anybody who would have a hard no opinion about it yeah. that isn't in the class and isn't riding should also recognize that their opinion at the end of the day is yeah. just that. Yeah. And to be sympathetic, too, like going back to what I said earlier, earlier with these athletes putting their bodies on the line, Chelsea's putting her body on the line. She's having to change her hormones and all that stuff to meet the guidelines that the Olympics have put out. So whether you're against it or for it, um, just remember there, it's more than just surface level. There's much more to it and just try to be more sympathetic with like what these individuals are going through. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's such a tough conversation to navigate in the world that we live in. I, yeah. I hope we get the approval of anyone who might hear it. But... I, I hope, yeah, I've had conversations with a lot of trans writers. I've been respectful about it. And I've, you know, we had a girl that was making um, an opinionated comment about our bio. And I spoke to uh, a, a couple different trans writers. I'm like, how do you feel about this? And they did not care. Yeah. They, they respected the fact that I came to them and spoke to them about it and make sure that we were doing things respectfully. Uh, because in, in the end, as an individual, I do care about everybody, and I want to make sure everyone feels respected and welcome. But you can't please everybody. That's right. the word. Mm-hmm. 
I actually really like this question. Uh, are okay. the girl-specific frame specs really good for girls, or can they get a bike off the rack and ride? That um, is interesting. I don't believe there... I, please correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe there's a specifically scientifically proven BMX spec frame. I believe there are frames, like the one that Paris did with Colt, that specifically is created for her riding style yeah but um i would love to know if there is because in mountain biking there are certain frames that are for our center of balance right i don't think there oh, even has that's that. interesting so so maybe it hasn't been developed yet maybe that this there is a spec or a way of balancing a frame with different like types or weights of tubing in the front in the rear that actually does have an impact but what i would say like my first thoughts on this being like i think about geometry and i have all these videos about it is i would say like the geometry for a specific thing like what it, bmx geometry is more than just like person specific like body specific it's specific mm -hmm. towards the types of things that you yes. want to do on that bike so like for example you want to do a lot of nose manuals and tail whips and you want to spin mm -hmm. you're gonna have you know a shorter bike with a steep front end that uh might have a short rear end on it so that it spins faster tail whips faster and you can nose manual or you yeah. can potentially control your balance and nose me faster and when it comes to types of riding i don't think that that would change based mm -hmm. on whether it's a dude or a girl riding the bike but what i what i you brought up that i think could maybe have an impact is the balancing thing because mm -hmm. not girls have boobs <laughs> <laughs> fair enough but i also yeah it's I think BMX is so customizable too yeah. that you don't need a specific geo frame. But that said, maybe there is a type of geo that would benefit a female rider or, or a rider with boobs. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's such a childish thing to laugh at, but it's, you said the word boobs. But like, I, I think BMX is just so unique too that, uh, well, first of all, I don't think there is enough money BMX for one company to invest that much time in scientifically figuring out the perfect geo uh, for a female rider. I'm, I feel like I want to be canceled soon, but like mm -hmm. a rider that has different proportions. Um, I don't think there's the money for that right now. Unlike mountain biking, where they they can do all those tests and, and and make all those different models. But then BMX is so unique, like you said, based on your riding style. Like look at Corey Walsh. Like a long back end isn't typically seen in freestyle. It's seen more in racing. Yeah, it but used to be, but in, not anymore. It, yeah, yeah, but now I mean, it's very common. Yeah, in today's uh, day and age. Yeah, I think that it also, it even it, if there was frames specifically built for women riders, um, at the end of the day, no matter who's riding the bike, it's gonna come down to feel and mm -hmm. what you would probably see is there would end up being a split of like certain women who like this frame that is just a you know a bmx frame and it's not made for women and there's some who would like the one that was made for women and so 
whenever you really break it down and at the end of the day it it, it probably wouldn't be worth the investment of doing it unless it's somebody who works closely with like a american made company where like the person can just like oh we're we just want to try this and see what happens and then yeah oh we find out oh i do really like the way this feels and then more yeah. people try it and there it is and and i mean to go to answer that question like how to answer that would be that from my experience and seeing other riders do it you can ride any bmx bike mm-hmm the geo will enhance what you're trying to do, the proper geo. Yeah. But I've had a friend who's like, she's 5'2", and she's riding a 21-inch. She didn't know what she was riding. Yeah. And when I found out, I was like, that's way too long for you. Oh, yeah. You're going to have a hard time <laughs> bunny hopping like at all at that but point. But she was, she was clearing boxes. Um, her style of riding didn't do any like street stuff so like bunny hopping wasn't a need but like you can ride anything but the the proper geo will make certain things easier like pulling up and like oh yeah pulling back and all that stuff yeah yeah i've experienced that firsthand just in whenever uh i had at one point a frame that was 21 and a quarter and i didn't make the connection until how after i had it for a long time that like i just completely not completely but pretty much lost my five taps on quarter pipes like they were like gone and i was like what in the hell is wrong with me i can't do these and then one day the realization is like light bulb going off you're like oh this bike is a lot longer than my old bike or than what fits me so it's harder to do these things yeah i've had the same thing with um when i was racing i remember going to the skate park a couple times just to like change things up and I just remember thinking, like, man, carving with this bike. I had a, I had a, back there, a Yes Frame. Uh, I've never heard like, of that. It's a Canadian brand. I, I rep the Canadian brands always. I try to at least. Um, but I just remember carving on it, feeling like, I was like, is it me or is it the bike? And when I finally got the right bike for it, a park frame from Sunday, it felt so much it was night and day so you could still do what you want to do but obviously the right geo is going to make things feel better yeah yeah it's uh it's definitely a subjective thing Mm -hmm. at the end of the day it's funny because you're actually like dealing with the concept of geometry maybe not anymore is your package did it have a frame in it my package what do you mean your odyssey one that you had to go get Oh, uh, no, it did not have a frame. No, I'm still ro- rocking the Sunday Discovery frame. Gotcha. Um, I love it. It was, it was, so when I quit racing, I retired from it. I decided to go back to park mm-hmm. and then I bought a, uh, complete Sunday, uh, scout yeah. for 420 from a guy who decided to <laughs> blaze it. <laughs> I know. He, he decided to quit because bunny hopping was too hard. Uh, legitimately his words. So it was a fresh bike. It had like the, the, um, collectible seat there was only 25 main and so i took that bike basically apart and rebuilt it over time and um yeah it's it's pretty much all custom but uh, with an exception a few cut with a few stock parts that don't make a difference so yeah. um but thanks to odyssey like um i i had a couple people made comments about how heavy it was and I, my weight weenie <laughs> just <laughs> you're developing just, you know, your weight weenie well i i have my dudes even being like it's your bike's heavy like no so 
obviously hooked me up recently and uh, almost didn't make this show. So <laughs> nice, that's sick. Yeah. Uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, any hard hitting questions in the chat so far? No, not currently. Uh, okay, good. Jay Parrish had to go to bed. <laughs> good Hi, Jay. <laughs> um, I I think women's BMX is awesome and seeing things get posted on a daily basis and even yeah. more so in the types of things that you're doing now that you're doing the bloom full time well there's awesome. a lot that I want to post and, and there's so much we can but it's also we have to respect the algorithm gods and all that stuff but there's so much talent and so much happening and this year is like a year this is the year that we should have had in 2020 the year of bmx literally mm. every weekend is packed of competitions around the world like it's hard for me to keep up and I, there's still so many competition competition results that i i can't post yet or or it's past and there's no point in posting anymore yeah so um even i have to pick and choose where i go and a lot of it's north american based right now but um we had the fortunate uh you know support of like companies like vans who have helped us so that we can go to competitions like feast in france so yeah it's it's been cool to see and hear about your uh your <laughs> journey so far in all of this thank you um i'm surprised we've gone through this all so far and haven't talked about the universe yet <laughs> Oh, yes. Well, I mean, I'll dive into it quick. Uh, when I was going through my anxiety phase of leaving my job, Brant and I had conversations about looking for science and making sure it's the right decision and all that stuff. And every moment I had an anxiety-filled thought, the universe somehow <laughs> gave me a sign that I recognized because Brant told me to look out for it. And, um, yeah, it just kind of gave me the confidence to keep moving in that direction so like for example worrying about money mm -hmm. which is a big thing which is a big thing that a lot of people don't pursue their dreams because of finances yeah um i think you and i had a conversation the one night and the next day i received the government <laughs> check that was like for 400 bucks and i was like okay that's a sign i'll be okay and then there was that email that you got uh with email. the the email address that was uh we were talking about luck and it was like lucky financial or something crazy yeah, like that. You're just, you're talking about money, and we were talking about luck. <laughs> yeah, it's just little things like that. I honestly feel there are days when I feel like, um, did I hit my head? Because mm -hmm. things have been good, and I'm I'm able to do what I want to do. That, you know, that's all anyone ever wants. Which is crazy. Right? Yeah. So I was thinking earlier when you were talk, we were talking about the quitting job thing and then talking about life okay. circumstances, all of that. So having lived it for a few months uh -huh. now uh -huh. and knowing that there's people who might hear this that are in a similar situation, what do you tell that person? What do they need to have in order before they pull at you and quit their job? Um, see, how I operate... Um, is that I plan everything out in chess moves. Mm -hmm. So I think I have things in place. So for me, it was moving home uh, three months in advance before even making this decision. Having a nest egg, 
you know, like it depends. Like for me, because I'm a worry warrior and I just I just want to be prepared, like having money saved and then luckily I still have that money saved, like it hasn't been dipped in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really important and honestly other than that, like I had anxiety about not being good enough to do this. I really had to just squash those feelings and just know that, you know what, a lot of people with less um, experience and abilities have achieved great things. And it's kind of like, not to, I'm not, not to say it's like raising kids, but it, every parent's always like, there's no manual for it. You just have to learn as you go. And that's mm-hmm. a big part of becoming a freelancer and being your own boss as well. Um, but I really don't have any other advice other than if you feel that it's important to you and it's serving maybe a cause beyond just satisfying your own needs, then maybe it's worth diving into it deeply and sending it. So, yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Let's see. Is there anything else in the women's BMX world that we should have talked about and didn't yet? I don't know. Let's see if, if are, they, are, are there any comments about no. anything we should talk about? No. Um, who who are the up and coming riders that people should be paying attention to? Um, Aubrey for sure. Yeah. Even though I feel that she's gotten a lot of great attention so far, I'm scared to see where she might end up. She might be the first. I think I'm I'm willing to bet that she might be the first. Um, female or, or women shredder to hit a mill one day for followers because I think right now we don't have anyone and the, the only uh, the only athlete I can think of is Mar- uh, Mariana Pajol she's in racing and she was the first girl that I saw with a million followers I don't even know how many dude BMX riders have a million are there any? She's, she is huge in uh, Colombia I don't know if there are any dudes with a mill I don't know either. Very few, if so. Yeah. At least on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so i like to see that. Um, other than that, I think Iveta, who's 16, for Czech Republic, that's a girl you got to keep an eye on. Um, she's at that age where you don't have a lot of fears or you overthink. I think that's one of the issues that we have as girls, that we overthink everything mm-hmm. um, on the bike and off, and that holds us back. And, and Iveta is, I think an individual who has that off right now and she's learning fast um Keir Sirlin oh yeah yep that's another one to watch out for and I think we're gonna see huge surgeons in Asia because the Japanese riders the Chinese riders um they're blowing up there's a big BMX culture over there how do you handle that being a um English is not like uh-huh. the right word I want to use because it could mean multiple things. But in English, okay. a English-speaking website and primarily English-focused like content and things that you post, how do you deal with writers like underground? I guess you could say writers from Asia who, yeah, like how does that work? Well, I mean, luckily we've got Google Translator. So that's been a huge help. And actually, I don't know if you noticed, but like the translation's been really good. Like it's picking up slang now and being okay. translated in slang. But um, I, I, I'm doing more and more interviews like every day from with girls who don't speak English. That's not their first language. And um, 
honestly, often enough, I'm encouraging them to write or speak in their language because then it's also helping a fellow female writer or, or any writer from that country to be able to pick up on the content. Yeah. So I, I think it's very important to embrace your own like language for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. It just made me curious of how you navigate the world of like figuring out these up and coming people and discovering them whenever they're in a country half or all the way across the world and don't speak the same language and that's got to be difficult again social media has been a huge help because when i send a message to a girl that's in in china for example and i want to hit her up for like an interview on her end she's able to translate that so it's made it a lot easier to connect with these girls yeah, I guess the riding probably does most of the talking, too. It's pretty easy yep. to see a person doing a trick and be like, oh, they're really good. Yeah, let's get to know her more. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> exactly. Uh, there's something that kept coming into my mind that I kept forgetting to mention. Every time we were talking about the impact okay. of like women's BMX, the Olympics, and all these things, did you see the video that... Uh, Britain Cycling, I think, okay. made. I think that was it. Uh, with, with Charlotte. Charlotte? Yes. yes. The video and the, and the girl. That yeah. that video summed up my feelings about why BMX is like one of the most amazing things ever in yeah. three minutes. It's so... Yeah. It's an incredible video. And for anyone I, who hadn't seen it, I should probably explain to like what it actually is. Uh, so Charlotte won the Olympics and it shows that on TV and it's this girl watching and so then later the next thing we see is this girl on a bike trying to ride and, and things and then I think it might cut back to Charlotte too a couple different times mm -hmm. but but we see the progression of this girl like starting to learn tricks and, and getting better and then what it ultimately leads up to in the end is the girl who's watching Charlotte on TV is at a skate park and crashes and the person who comes to help her up is Charlotte and yeah. I got goosebumps explaining that just because like that is what separates BMX from most other things that exist yeah that's that's the crazy part and that's why I I'm just kind of like in shock when you see shitty comments Mm -hmm. Like BMX is a small world. Mm -hmm. You can easily see your the pro that you're shitting on at your local skate park. Yeah, it can maybe happen. unlikely at, at certain skate parks, but I mean it's a small world and like yeah. But going back to that, um, especially a British cycling commercial, but it was beautifully done. Yeah, it is yeah. incredible. I don't know who had that concept it like it almost feels like it had to have been a bmx rider who would have come up with that or a skateboarder yeah. or somebody who participates in an activity that's similar to that and and i think that it's just part of what makes bmx as awesome as it is i will say i i wish i had that growing up i wish i had um that experience mm -hmm. of like seeing a girl on tv and then meeting her in person. I mean, I did have it with Nina, but you know, Nina, Stacy, and, and Corey, it's not like they were invited to the X Games, which was the commercial yeah. uh, competition at the time. Um, but I respected them for the fact that they were 
not only killing it, but they were my idols because they were the only like other like girl writer that I can kind of look up to, you know. But yeah, I think with the Bloom BMX, I think that's what we're trying to achieve is um, both Angie and I are trying to give something that we didn't have growing up, which is a platform that a young girl can be inspired by, a support system, and also a resource too. So we're kind of like. I don't know. I'm getting to the point where maybe I'm like, just, I'm not going to have kids. I'm just trying to like fulfill that motherly part by like <laughs> raising the next generation by looking out for them. You're being the, <laughs> the world's BMX mom for lady no, BMX riders. The cool ants. Let's go with that. Ooh, the cool there you go. Yeah. Ants yeah. can still have kids and families and whatever they want. That is funny. Um, and I guess with this question that came in here we can't have a conversation about women's bmx without talking about the girl who tried to jump that monster double at swamp fest and landed in the flat bottom aka jocelyn Camara, oh yeah who, i still haven't met, met this girl but we we've spoken we've had a good her, her talks uh, on social media <laughs> sends it harder than most people ever should send it and yeah. does things that when i'm watching them i'm like I don't know how you're doing this right now. Um, yeah, it's just amazing as a whole. Like one, sending it; two, sending it in an environment where it's not prime. It's not like you're doing it in a in a temperature like sealed park, and there aren't you know splinters being poked out of every ramp. Like it's she's ballsy. You can sure. take that a step further than that, even in that the people who were making that jump we're getting hauled in by some sort of two-wheeled motorized thing and then pedaling as hard as they possibly can and still barely making it yeah and then here you have her getting hauled in and like clearly did not have enough speed but Mm -hmm. and got hauled in so many times and then still went for it like is i mean she's got bigger balls than most dudes (laughs) I um I envy her mentality for sure because for me it it'd be like do I want to do this? Am I gonna get it the first try? Like I'm, I'm gonna overthink stuff. She just sends it, mm-hmm. which makes her special. Yeah. Oh, I've been around when she's just sending it, like a raise trying the curve wall ride. There is no like standing there for two hours. Like all right, I'm working up to it. No, it's all right. I'm setting my phone up, pushing record. Think about it for a second. Okay, go crash yeah. go crash yeah. and, go and, crash go <laughs> and that jump like you have to go there's no half-assing it you mm-hmm. gotta just send it fully yeah I so it works <laughs> yeah it definitely deserves a gigantic like head nod of the head uh what is it a uh, tip of the hat <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like holy cow most people don't send it that hard so there's that um that being said, we're we're hitting two hours here, and I gotta wake oh, up wow. at three thirty in the morning. So, oh give me give me your last words of wisdom when it comes to women's BMX in the future. Oh my god, I have nothing. Or okay, I've in grown, general, I, I in like general, quotes already. In uh, general, what are you, general? words of wisdom you follow in life in general that you can lead people on? I just had to go back to see a jobs quote. Yeah. That's the best one. And that goes with writing as well. Like if you look into the mirror and you don't like what you're seeing, 
they're t- it's time to make a change. Absolutely. Yeah. So easier said than done. You're right. You're right. But there are small things that you can do no matter what or where you're at in life. Um, where can people find you and the bloom? Um, you can find me on Instagram at B-E-A-B-M-X. And then the bloom, we're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook. YouTube. YouTube. We just, I, I just started doing that a couple of days ago or a couple of weeks ago. Um, and we're just going to try to do as much content as possible on the, our website as well, which is the bluebmx.com. And all the links to all the socials are there. But we're primarily dominant in Instagram and we're trying to be more dominant in YouTube. Yes. Uh, and what can we expect moving forward from the bloom? Definitely more in-person content because that's what's fuel. That's the reason why we create the YouTube channel is because we wanted a place to actually put all those contests that the women are doing mm-hmm. somewhere in a space that you can go to and it's all there. Um, so definitely more in-person events. We're going to be doing definitely more um, events to give back to the community as well and not just, I wouldn't say taking, but obviously before we were just taking interviews and showing them to the world but now mm-hmm. we're actually able to do more and like hold jams and do things like bloom week at woodward where we're raising the next generation of riders so definitely more hands-on stuff more cool art stuff motherly things having a dedicated ramp at a event coming up i don't want to say specifics yeah. in case you're oh, not allowed no. but that no, is a thing uh, it's been yeah that was a huge um huge milestone moment um that made me just realize that quitting my job was the best thing ever but um <laughs> at waffle cup which is next week at Huntington beach um cult uh the bloom bmx and rad share had the opportunity to build a feature on the course and our feature is right smack in the middle um yeah the theme of the event was about protecting the ocean and um, to create a feature that represented that and cleaning up the ocean as well so so Cult's doing their thing, Rapture's doing their thing, and I had the idea of doing a lifeguard house. It was the first thing I noticed on my trip to California, and I just really thought that I represented what we're doing, which is looking out for the community and doing what we can to uplift it, pull it out from the water, mm, raise yes. it, all of those metaphorical stuff. But, yes. Uh, yeah, the idea came pretty quickly, so I, I did the concept, and then Angie's doing... Um, the coloring right now she's trying to figure out like what's the best design on it mm-hmm. and yeah that's next week super excited about it and that's waffle cup next weekend awesome well thank yeah. you for your time and uh, thanks for letting me plug that <laughs> we'll do this again one day and just talk about whatever we feel like it since we've had the bloom conversation and just update on whatever we want to mm-hmm. sounds good all right okay check her out check them out and we'll see you tomorrow for another video goodbye bye